Welcome to the Loon Society, where I'm your host, Alex. Join me as we delve into the intricacies of the young professional journey, sharing stories, tips, and resources to navigate all things good, the bad, and the loony in this chapter of our lives. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Loon Society, where we talk about all things good, bad, and the loony in the life of a young professional. I have one of my great friends on the show today. I met him during my 1L year, and we're going to talk about some pretty heavy topics today. So I just want to give a pre-warning. If you are sensitive or have experienced and don't love hearing about drug or alcohol abuse or death, um, I really do advise that you are careful listening to this episode. But if you are interested and want to get some tips and insight on how to handle that as a young professional, please keep listening. But without further ado, I have my best friend, Nate, on here. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Alex? Oh, good, good. The fact that we had to restart an episode. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's a part of doing these types of things. It is a part of doing these things. But as I start, as I will start every show, what is the best advice that you've been given that you would give to young professionals today? Learn how to trust other people. I have experienced quite a few things in my life that has turned me off to trusting anyone. And uh, I oftentimes bet on myself and sometimes I bet on myself too much and uh, forget to ask other people to help because there is nothing better in this world than having close friends and family that you can trust with absolutely anything because the best way to get through things is to talk about it. Holy shit. You need to preach that to yourself every day because that (laughs) is something that our friend group has just willed Nate to do is trust us. And I'm so glad that we're finally at that point where he can reach out to us. I mean, specific people about things that are going through his life. But wow, I'm hearing you say that. That's like such growth over the past year. Like I'm really proud of you. I made him restart this episode and had to ask him that on the fly. So (laughs) kudos to you for that. That's awesome. I do agree. I think also being in a professional setting, you have all this competition and you don't know who everyone is or like, for me personally, I am a different person that I am at school than I'm outside of school, not because I want to hide anything, but I do have my professional self and then I have my relaxed self. And I think people, it's hard to trust me sometimes because you never know what side you're going to get. Honestly, it really is a gamble, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's the fun part about being friends with me, but no, I do give props to Nate because when I first met him, he really didn't open up about anything. And I definitely pride him a lot to be like, Nate, what's going on? What are you going through? How can I help you? And we would get in these like little tips. I'm like, well, I can't help you if you don't tell me. And so just up and down, we've had it. It's a great friendship, but I'm so glad that you finally realized that. And there are people there that you can trust. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like I said, even in, in a professional setting, it can be hard to find those people that you trust, but uh, you have to go looking. You can't just wait dormant. A part of me is loud and tries to be funny with people in every single situation, but I've slowly realized over time that I'm, those are kind of walls that I've put up making jokes about certain things or avoiding topics or walking away. But the best thing you can do is find those people that you can trust and really just let them know what's going on. You don't have to let them know anything, but letting them know it it can change a situation. They can try to help you out or, Hey, let's just go out to dinner and talk or let's laugh. Those little things really do help in life. Yeah, I agree. I even the point that you said where you don't have to let them know specific things, but just know like, hey, I have some shit going on in my life. That will mean more to anyone than you'll ever know, especially to me. I would tell Nate, I'm like, I don't need to know the details. I just need to know that like you're okay or 
I need to help you in some way. And I think that also started to break down the walls because I I don't want to be nosy. I genuinely just want to be like, hey, are you okay? Can I help you? What can I help you with? And I tend to be a hard love type of person, as Nate and I will probably talk about. I like to pick you up by the collar and be like, get your shit together. And sometimes it's not always the best way, but I feel like in my friendship with Nate, that has been our best way (laughs) to to get through some shit. So what do you think? I don't know. Maybe you have a different opinion. No, uh, I've told everybody that knows me uh, in the law school community. I tell my family, my friends that uh, I'm not a person who takes gentle, who takes gentle reminders and a soft spoken, Hey, can you get this done? Or we should do this together. I'm, I'm a loud person. I try to be funny. And to be honest, the things that I really listen to is abrasive, loud, <laughs> telling me what to do, because then I realize, okay, I'm, I'm really doing something wrong. And I'm not saying that that's for everybody. A lot of people can take gentle reminders and stuff. But for me, I think my personality is so big that sometimes being smacked down to earth is what truly helps me realize, oh my gosh, I really need to get my stuff together. Yeah. And I'm definitely like that with just Nate. I'm not like that with my friends that are girls or, you know, it's, it's for people who can handle it. Like I know that, but I also just take my friendships very seriously and I'm very intentional about it. So I am able to accommodate to each person's needs, but diving into the meat of today's topics Again, pre-warning, if you are sensitive, I do apologize, but I really do think this episode has a lot of value to it. So to give a little background about Nate and I, we met in our 1L year, and the first thing he ever said to me was, Alex, you look really tired. And men out there, don't ever tell a woman that. That's just number one. But our friendship took off after that. We were able to have jokes, have inside jokes, have fun and mess around with each other, not be serious all the time. Nate does a good job of reminding me that I don't need to be serious and I can be myself and people will like me for my fun side. Um, But that's all about me and Nate's friendship. But I want Nate to take it off on just who is Nate? Who are you? Um, Well, I'm, gosh. That's a loaded question. That is a loaded question. (laughs) You know, I, I really love to be funny. My number one goal in life at this moment in time is to make people laugh and smile. Like that is what makes me feel good as a person. Even if it's just telling somebody, Hey, I like your dress you're wearing or your hair looks good or cracking a really cheesy joke, just something to make people laugh. That's what I love to do in my free time. I like to sing and play golf and hang out with my friends and talk to my family. Really just anything that puts a smile on my face and other people's faces. I think you do a good job at all of those, especially singing and golf and making people laugh. Like the list is endless, but Nate does it all. He's a great friend to have. And I mean, him and I are like brother and sister. We fight honestly. And then we're like, okay, this is honestly, this is fucking stupid to be fighting about. We should just get over it, get over ourselves. Our, like we are both loud people who have <laughs> very strong opinions. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves, okay, calm it down, bring it back to earth. But the thing about Nate that I really did love hanging out with him was about he had shit going on in his life. And yes, he vented to us because we were his friends. But also at the same time, he knew how to be there for us and be like, okay, my life does suck, but I do want to be happy. I remember a few weeks ago, he said, Alex, try to look at the positives. And at the moment, I didn't want to hear that. I really didn't because I was going through my own stuff. But I do, I do need to look at the positives. So what are some things that you have gone through in your professional life last year, this year, because we're really professionals now, that have impacted how you feel, 
how you're doing in school, how your overall mental health, what are some instances? Yeah. Um, well, last year I struggled with the whole year and I've, I've been doing better with it, but, uh, Last year I struggled with, I, I really helped take care of my grandfather at home and he has a bunch of illnesses and he's on a feeding tube and he requires a lot of special care. And uh, it, it was really affecting my school life. I mean, there were some days that I just didn't show up to class and there were certain days where I had to leave early and different sorts of, of things like that. And like my aunt passed away in a car crash uh, and I was told that in the middle of my property to class. So that was pretty devastating, but things like that, I, I try not to, to keep buried inside me. And I, I try to vent to my friends, even though it's very difficult for me, but those are the types of things that when you trust people, it lets you heal faster. Oh my gosh, does it let you heal faster? Because when I got the bad news about my aunt and the car crash, all my friends came gathering around me and, really supported me through everything. And gosh, was that such a blessing. And uh, I also lost my grandfather and my great grandfather over the summer and at the beginning of this school year. And once again, just being able to have friends, and I'm not saying that they're there for you and rubbing your back and giving you a tissue. I'm, I'm saying that they're there for me. They make me smile and laugh. And if I want to talk about it, they're completely fine with that. And that is the biggest part about finding the right friends. You want friends who are tailored to you and care about you enough to find a way that helps you cope, not just a, a standard, oh, you're going to be all right, buddy. But like, yeah, uh, but, like <laughs> <laughs> but like, hey, you know what? Let's go and laugh about something. Let's talk about something stupid. Like those are the things that help me. And I think Alex has adapted to that the best out of anybody because she knows when I'm going through shit that she wants to throw on country music and sing while we're studying or dance or laugh or do some other crazy bullshit. But that is personally what helps me. So my advice is for you guys to find out what helps you. Yeah. And I think communicating that, like I am a type of friend who pays close attention to my friends and what they enjoy and what they like. Maybe you're not that type of friend and that's okay. But just knowing Nate and what does put a smile on his face really helped me become a better friend and there are times where Nate had to take time to himself. Like I know this summer was really hard and he wanted to prove to our friend group that he could get it together and he could do it. And I think that's humbling. Like that takes a lot to just shut out people that really do care about you to get your own shit together so you don't hurt them. I think that's very humbling and brave and I do commend you for that. And I think our, our friends who listen to this will need to hear that because I don't think they know. I'm the only person that knows that. But it's very important. And so I know that he's been through a lot. And like he said, death has been kind of a repeated pattern this past year, which no one ever wants to go through. So did you ever feel like overwhelmed with everything going on, like just death in general? Or was it more like, wow, I have this whole to-do list? Or did you compartmentalize that stuff? How are you feeling in those moments? Well, it, it's tough to say because to be honest, there was a while there, we'll all admit, Alex was uh, backpacking me through law school. She was really basically pulling me by the hair and dragging me and saying, Hey, Nate, you got to sit down and do this. Remember, this is due and you got to do stuff like that because I'm the type of person that I'm so happy and stuff all the time that I'm not quite good at dealing with sadness and, and death and things like that. So I tend to 
shut down massively. And I, I tend to shut my friends out completely, which is, it's a bad thing, but I mean, dealing with it is, it's tough because when I, when somebody has passed away in my life, especially over the last couple years, these people hold a certain place in my life because I don't have very much family. So every time somebody passes away, that's just one more person that I don't have that I see a lot of other people have. Like I see people going around with cousins and grandparents and aunts and uncles and all, all this family. And I, I just don't really have any of it. So when I lose somebody and somebody dies in my family, it's really hard on me because that's just one less person I have. And it's, it's tough to see other people have cousins and their best friends are their cousins and stuff. So my, my family is really my friends at law school and my immediate family at home, my siblings and my parents. I can totally relate to that because I am an only child. So I don't even have the siblings aspect. My best friends are really my grandma and grandpa and my mom, to be honest. Like I talk to them all the time. I have a loving boyfriend and great friends, but I do agree. I, some background about me, I didn't grow up with a father in my life. So like that's one less family that I have. And so it is hard. It is hard to see those losses. And I recently had a great, great uncle pass actually. And we were very close towards the end of his life more so, but the fact that it impacted my grandpa so much, cause it was his uncle and to see my family go through that, uh, we all had our own coping mechanisms and, you know, dealing with Nate, honestly, having those losses helped me prepare with my family, how to help them with those losses. Because although Yes, it was my uncle. It was really like my grandpa's dad, even though it was his uncle. Again, my dad or my grandpa didn't have a dad in his life really either. So his uncle kind of took over that um, father figure and my grandpa took over the father figure in my life. But specifically with how you felt overwhelmed, sad, as the year has gone on and as you have healed more, have you found coping mechanisms that have helped you specifically or just generally that could help someone going through this? Yeah. I mean, I think after a big event like this, uh, like a death in the family, I, I really truly believe in my heart that the best thing to do is take a couple days and reflect, like go to school and talk to your friends. But at the end of the day, kind of go home and shut your phone off and turn your laptop down and, and really just take a couple days and really think about why that person was special in your life and things you can do that they either they wish they did or things you can do to make yourself better because that's that's a serious time of reflection and i know that the the passing of a loved one or a friend can can be really sad on somebody but i think it's really a time to sit down and reflect on the great times that that person had in life and what can make you better as a person i agree i think specifically you're remembering the good times because i always had that feeling where i'm like oh i'm gonna remember them when they're sick or when they didn't feel well and even now, like just looking back at like, wow, those are great memories, looking at pictures, again, reminding yourself of all those good times, as hard as it is, it makes those days so much easier. But Nate and I are also saying, feel those emotions. Like the longer you put them off, and I'm sure Nate can agree with this, they will stay and they will linger and they will pop up when you do not want them to. So what we're saying is take the time, feel how you're feeling, grieve. Nate did not do a good job grieving the first time around. And I only say this because he admitted it to me. He's like, you're right, Alex, I should have grieved, actually grieved or grieved longer. 
And so we're saying take those moments, take that time, however long it does take. But after that grieving has subsided, start focusing on those happy moments because that's what they want you to focus on. Your loved ones who have passed would be like, no, think of me as my happy self. Think of me as my healthy self. That's all they're going to be asking for. Think of what they would want. That's what they would want, I'm sure. Yeah, and exactly. Like to that point, it's weird how hypocritical I am because I always tell people, nobody better cry at my funeral. Everybody better be laughing. I want the funniest pictures and the funniest videos of me and pictures of my friends. And I want it to be a celebration of life. But I had the hardest time dealing with that at the end of my 1L year. I completely shut down. I I didn't have a coping mechanism. I didn't know how to do it. I stopped doing schoolwork. I stopped reading. I I stopped everything. Everything that had to do with school. It was better to just sit in my room and mindlessly watch TV than it was to deal with anything because I somehow correlated the fact that doing school is something I hated and dealing with death was something I hated. So instead of just dealing with it, I completely shut down and that was absolutely the wrong way to go about it. And there's no right or wrong, obviously, but the way you feel like, like Nate said, if you feel wrong about it, then you can always make a change. That's easier said than done. I I could say that for sure. And and Nate can agree with me. It is so much easier for one of your friends to say it will be okay than for it to actually be okay. Instead. And I, I can say this from my own experience. Instead, when I checked on Nate, it was more of like, how are you doing and what do you need from me? It was not, hey, it's going to be okay. Most of the time I was like, yeah, that shit sucks. I was like, yeah, you're right. You have one hell of a life going on right now. And I understand why you're feeling that way. Or if you don't understand, just say, I have no idea how you're feeling. To be honest, when Nate was going through this stuff, I really didn't understand what he was going through until I had my own experience. But I knew no matter if I understood or not, I could still be a good friend. So just learning those techniques or skills, but also learning your friends. I think that with social media and we're going to get into this, but like different drug abuses, people tend to push people out of their lives and you can't really connect with people on a personal level nowadays. It's like very superficial. So I feel like I'm very fortunate and lucky that I do have friends that are past the superficial level. And I got to know Nate so well, even amidst the hell that was going on in his life but i do really commend him and thank him for allowing me into his life during those times yeah absolutely and uh we live different lives obviously but we we share a lot of similarities and that's why we really Mm -hmm. became friends because i'm the type of person that does that believes that blood doesn't make family i didn't have much family uh growing up so actually there was just people who happened to come along and they were lonely in life, like uh, my grandpa, my grandfather, Bob, who has been passed away for about seven years now. He was a man. He had no family. He was in his 80s and had nothing to do. So then we took care of him. And in turn, he was he was very close to me. Once again, I called him my grandfather. He showed up to all my baseball games, my football games. And it was really just a super special, like special experience because I didn't have that other type of experience with anybody else. Yeah, I agree, especially because I also have adopted family um, very, very close to me, like Sarah and Dan, like that's like my adopted mom and my adopted dad. And then I have my grandpa who is like my dad. And I have a lot of coaches who I really do look up to, a lot of professors that 
on a mentorship level, I feel very close with and I feel like I can talk to them really about anything and they will give me good advice. But I, I do agree. I think it's the friends that you have the, or the friends or family that you choose, how you go about it, these situations really does make a difference. So I feel like maybe, and you said you did feel like this, many young professionals um, feel grief and loss, but they feel very isolated in those times. Can you describe like the importance of changing or reframing the conversation about death to young professionals or how you can still get through it? Like it's going to suck, but how you can still be very successful because you are successful. Like explain that. Yeah. Um, there's really no other emotion. There's no words you can put it to, um, death is such a strange thing for each individual and really it's finding the things that help you get through it. Even if it's every day, if your grandpa or your cousin really loved a song and it's playing the song on your drive to work, it's, it's things like you don't have to get over it. The problem is living with it. And that's the problem that a lot of people don't want to address because if you can find out a way to live with it and even find little things, even six months, a year, five years after their passing, that makes you smile because it's something you remember about them. I think it really helps you get through it. Like I know very often on my drive to work and on my drive to school, I play a song that reminds me of my grandfather and I absolutely love it. And it makes me smile and it helps me get through the day because at the end of the day, I can always turn that song on and know that he's there watching over me. I That like left me speechless. Kind of got goosebumps. I like the living with it. I mean, you're going to have to learn. I mean, honestly, Change the narrative is all about, look, they lived a great life. They're great people. They impacted us in so many ways. And I've learned so many lessons and got loved by this person or these people and taking those moments. I really do think it really does change the narrative. And I'm not saying your emotions aren't important. How you feel isn't important. That truly is. But as a young professional, life doesn't stop. Work never stops in school. Well, shit. Who knows? (laughs) That's just like a revolving door at this point. And we laugh because, I mean, death is very uncomfortable, but it's true. Life doesn't stop for us. We can take those moments, but at some point or another, we're going to have to change the narrative to be like, I have to live with this. One question I did have, and if you're uncomfortable answering this, that's okay. But it's also going to transition to our next segment. Did death or any of these instances make you want to resort to an easier way out, like drugs or alcohol? Or did you ever think about it? Um. I have a very addictive personality. I was born that way. I had a couple scares in my undergrad where I was drinking a lot and I got nervous. I had some things going on in life back then. And I I really did resort to, to drinking and doing dumb things to help me get my mind off of it. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's always, it's always in the after, in the afterthought, uh, drinking drugs, um, just finding easier ways to cope with things. But I've personally gone through some of that stuff in my life already. So it's a little easier for me to veer away from that stuff because I no longer drink very much. I drink like once a month, once every two months. Um, I don't do drugs. And that stuff is just so scary to me because I've seen it so much in my personal life and seen it ruin people's lives and ruin other people's lives who aren't even doing it, that that luckily has scared me away from things. But yeah, I mean, 
I have thought about, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to go home and get drunk and get shit faced and do whatever. But at the end of the day, luckily on my hour drive home from school, I find the time to be like, no, you're going to go home and relax and watch a baseball game or play video games, something else to get my mind off the thoughts like that. I also want to add to that. Um, Did you come from like a family who used alcohol or drugs as well? Yes. I mean, that's a big reason why I don't have family. Uh, to If my family ends up listening to this, it's I have cousins and I have aunts and uncles. However, all of them are prolific drug and alcohol users. My grandfather that lives with me now, actually, I did not know him until he moved into my house. He got dementia and had to get a feeding tube, but he never showed up for a baseball game, never showed up for anything, didn't show up for Thanksgiving, never wrote me a birthday card, never gave me a present. He wasn't there at any point in my life. And uh, my mom's brothers, uh, one passed away from a drug overdose and the other one uh, is a prolific alcohol user. And I haven't seen him in years um, since I was a little kid. And same with my cousins. They all grew up to be like their parents. So I, I chose to stay away from that. Like my mom's whole family is drugs and alcohol and my dad's whole family is alcohol. So I, I chose personally to stay away from all that stuff and, and kind of disassociate from them. Not that I would never give them a chance later in life maybe, but right now I'm in such a sensitive place as a young professional and going to school and doing and trying to do all the right things that right now for me, it's just not a time to let them in because one, I don't know who they are. And two, the last thing I need on top of all the stuff I'm dealing with is some sort of influence of drugs and alcohol. I feel like I needed to hear that right now because <laughs> little about me. So my, holy shit, I really needed to hear that right now. My father um, is very much like Nate's whole family. Um, very addicted to drugs, alcohol. I really don't know my father. He made some choices, ran away from everything that, you know, was a responsibility. Um, so I can definitely relate to Nate, but I also just really needed to hear that. If any young professional needed to hear that, holy shit, round of applause. I, my boyfriend Luke tells me those things. You don't need it right now. You don't need to talk to him right now. He's offering nothing good in your life. It is hard as a young professional to kind of put walls between your family so hard. Like I still battle with it. Should I be doing this? Oh, I feel bad. Like their blood relatives. Like how could you ever, you know, put a wall between you and your blood relatives? That's the only family you have. But I think what Nate and I have really realized is you're right. You get to choose your family, whether they're blood related or not. And I can say it has been so hard as a young professional, even as a child, like growing up without a father, but also if he was there, was very temporary and he would do very bad things um, when I was a child. And as I grew up and, you know, I knew him as, oh, my father's in prison. That's kind of how I knew him. And people in my town knew him. People, judges knew him, attorneys knew him more than I even know my own father. So it was really hard to see my dad go through the system on, you know, drunk driving charges, other charges that I won't get into. But the fact that he was so addicted that it affected his whole entire career and affected his families. And I, I say families cause I have a, a half sister, but it, I feel like it affects me so much because I don't want to be like that. 
changing the narrative. I do not want to be like that. I want to be successful and I don't want to fall into drugs and alcohol. And I, I pulled up a statistic that from 2006 to 2015, people who were in their 20s and 30s or like our generation right now uh, had drug related deaths and it rose by 108%. 108, 108. Like the fact that it's rising that much, society should be like, what the fuck is going on? Why are our young professionals, the ones who are supposed to be excited and have all this energy and all this time and are committed to our careers, why are we having such a boom in alcohol and drug abuse and mental health issues? We should not be having those issues at this age because it's going to result in burnout. But I just want to say, like, if you have family like me and Nate, where they choose alcohol and drugs over you, you are not alone in that in that picture. You're not alone in that statistic because we are a part of that. And we're fucking in law school. Like we're kind of successful. (laughs) Yeah, we're killing it. Uh, First gen law law student, first gen college student. Me too. Yeah. So, I I mean, changing the narrative is what it's all about. I I mean, witnessing all that, all that stuff and the drug use and the alcohol abuse. I've, I've seen other people go through it. It's not just the people who are doing the drugs and alcohol, but my, my family has done so much to just get stepped on over and over and over by these people who use drugs and alcohol and changing the narrative is about becoming a better person. It doesn't even have to be drugs and alcohol. It can be an abusive partner. It can be somebody who verbally assaults you. It's all about finding your best part in life. I agree. I think finding those people in your life and finding those outlets that really do help you instead of hurt you. I think we're all so easy to be like, I need a quick fix. I need to have something that's going to make me feel better right now. I will say there are times where I was like, wow, if I can get shit faced, maybe my life would feel better. Nate knows this about me. I have drank. I can count on one hand how many times I have drank alcohol in my life. And it's also the same thing. I was scared shitless seeing that happen, see all the roles play out. I remember when I was little someone came to my house and was like oh here's your dad's things he got arrested for drinking and driving and had some drugs with him okay what is what am i supposed to do with that and that sets up a narrative in your head oh well he's like that i'm gonna turn out like that or it sets up a narrative in other people's minds oh your parents are like that that's how you're gonna turn out you know what fuck that narrative tell them to fuck off with that shit. that's not okay yeah, I, I mean, I'm a thousand percent agree because my last name was seriously where I live. It was almost embarrassing because people knew that last name to be related to drugs and alcohol. My dad's yes. whole life, they told him that he was going to be a loser. And my dad pulled himself out of it, went to school, got a great job, got experience. Same with my mom. My mom grew up in a, in a house that used drugs constantly and abused alcohol all the time. And they both pulled themselves out of it. It's actually a miracle how they found each other because the odds of them succeeding are astronomical. And not only did they both succeed, but they found each other in that, which has made them good parents. Yes, they have their flaws, but they also have their moments to shine. And, and part of that is was encouraging us to stay away from that stuff and showing us like, look what this does to your life. You don't want to be this. Make your name something special, something to celebrate, something that when somebody sees your name, that they are just like, wow, you know what? I only have good things to say about that person and their family. I agree. I think also it's hard because how can we do that if we don't think about ourselves that way? 
I think it's so hard to sit down and say, Alex, Nate, we're going to be different. We're not going to be like our parents. And my mom's great. I, I don't want to, I want to put that out there. My mom is great. I'm talking about specifically my dad. I, I want to have higher goals. I want to have a meaningful life that doesn't sit in a five by five cell for the rest of my life. I don't want to be that way. But same with Nate, I do tend to have addictive personality. And I know that about me, if I find something like school, I would say I'm addicted to it. I'm addicted off the the feeling of getting a good grade. I'm addicted <laughs> to, you know, solving issues. That sounds extreme, but I, I don't know. I probably am. <laughs> that's, that's probably spot on. I mean, yeah. I try hard and I know that other people try hard, but I am constantly reminding Alex, life she has fun. Don't take this the wrong way. But I'm like, Alex, life has to be fun sometimes. Sit down and watch a TV show. Instead of getting so ahead or, or finishing everything you have to do in the entire world, sit down and just watch 30 minutes of a TV show. Then get back to it or do something fun. Go golfing. Go sing in your car. Go drive wherever. I mean, I don't care what you do, but a big part of it is taking a break. Yeah, I agree. And I think taking those breaks, having people to remind you, having good support system, finding your support system, like Nate said, it might not always come to you, will help you stay away from those easy fixes. Because I know I am a hard ass worker. No one can argue with me on that one. I work my ass off, but there are nights like like Nate said, I just don't take breaks. I go, go, go until I pretty much pass out in bed. And I'm like, wow, I'm really tired. But those burnouts for other people can lead to very disastrous choices. And I do want to put that out there because young professionals, we do have this very high expectation over us. You don't make mistakes, but we will obviously. And people do expect that, but I'm saying we put those expectations on ourselves. and we want to be perfect. We won't be perfect. I, I try to do that and it fucking drives me insane. <laughs> I'm, you know, atypical, very, I want things to go my way all the time. That doesn't happen. But I think those high expectations that we put on ourselves and industries, I think industries also are bad of this, makes our mental health go down. And that does lead to the choices of, you know, using or abusing alcohol and drugs. And there's other things that you can abuse, like social media. People can abuse social media by being on it too long and scrolling and scrolling. You're like, oh, hours have gone by. Well, what the hell? You could have been doing something else. I think to counteract those things, especially about social media, I put timers on all my stuff but about not using drugs or alcohol, if you do have those issues, and I I don't have those issues really because I'm so scared of it, um, find people that will listen to you. Start being proactive about it, whether that is texting a friend like, hey, I'm thinking about drinking or I'm thinking about using drugs. Be open about that because that will really help. And I know it's so scary to be like, hey, I'm struggling. To admit that takes some take some balls to say like, yo, I'm not doing well. Like this is the first semester I reached out to my friends and I was like, look, I am not okay. And they have never heard me say that. Like I have never admitted that like I am struggling. And I told Nate and all my friends, I was like, look, I need your help this semester. I'm not doing well. I have so much on my plate. Like it's when you go to the buffet and everything's like falling off your plate. Like that's literally how my life is right now. And it could be so easy to just ruin it. Yeah. And Alex, you're you're tough cookie to to crack sometimes, especially because I find I feel like I know a lot about you, and we're really close friends. I mean, you're probably my cl- closest fl- friend at law school. 
shoot, probably in my life right now, you're probably my closest friend. I mean, what let's be I real. Maybe, maybe my sister, I guess, but um, you're, you're hard to deal with. And it's made me such a better friend. Oh my gosh. When I first met all these girls, I come to law school and I meet all these girls and I haven't been friends with girls in years. And me and Alex started hanging out and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to let you know. I have no idea how to talk to girls in a friendly manner because all my friends were guys and I kind of have a potty mouth and I just didn't know how to do it. But talking to Alex over time has helped me figure out Alex. If you ask her, how do you want me to help you? She's going to be like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a mess. I'm a mess. So then or it's like, I don't need help. I don't know why you're asking that question. <clears throat> so then I try to find ways that I can help her, whether it be reminding her about assignments or, Hey, we really need to sit down at some point and do this. Or I'll just call her on the phone and let her talk to me or talk about a TV show we saw or a movie we saw or something that either helps her brain relax or just little reminders. Cause she's always going on a thousand percent all the time. Dude, my brain is going, <laughs> going. Yeah. And I, I really think a part of the problem here is, is not just alcohol and drugs. I think a part of it, especially for me, is abusing my time. Because when I go through yeah. when I go through bad parts of my life, I abuse my time by vacating everything. I don't mm-hmm. want to do school. I don't want to deal with people. I don't want to go to work. And I'm completely 180. I yeah. pour myself into school to a point where it's like if I get last week, if I got docked a half a point, I'd cry. Like <laughs> just ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. Yeah, so I I think a huge part of a huge part of getting through things is also don't think about like if you don't struggle with drugs and alcohol and you don't have those problems with your family, don't abuse your time because really that is what I'm so thankful to Alex for and my other friends for helping me last year. They essentially helped me not abuse my time whether it be in a good way or a bad way. Like we're still young people. We have to enjoy our lives. But at the same time, you can't always do the fun thing and never do the work. So you have to find that good balance. And the balance is hard. I have not figured out the balance as your host, giving you all this good information. (laughs) Inside, you know, sneak peek, I don't know. I, I literally don't know. I'm learning as I go. And this podcast is another way of having an outlet to talk about what I'm going through and not even what I'm going through, but I do want to hear other people's perspectives. Something about these podcasts is I don't prepare. I just sit down and I'm like, well, this is what I think we're going to talk about today. Like I texted Nate on my way to Detroit today and I was like, Hey, uh, have you thought about what we're going to talk about today? And he was like, uh, yeah, gives me three words. I was like, but yeah, we can do that. That sounds good. So I don't want you to think I, I mean, I do spend time. This is a lot this is a, this means a lot to me, but I'm not like typing into Google to be like, what's the best podcast to talk about this week? No, this is stuff that we are going through every week and that we're all struggling with. And I don't want you to feel alone. And that's what I'm here for. That's what my listeners hopefully are getting out of this. But also my guests, I always want my guests to feel like they have left with something that they have gotten over just a little bit. If it is, it, Maybe I'm a therapist. I don't know. Maybe that's what it feels like. Well, I think that you're doing something and you don't even realize it. So many things you have to do in life and they're planned and they're structured and everything is a certain way. And this is one thing in life 
that you just go at freestyle. There's no plan. There's no time that you're going to do it. There's no script. There's no questions. You just sit down and you get to relax and you finally get to do something on the fly, which is really exciting and relaxing. It is fun. It is very fun. But that's also how I changed my own narrative. I was very much driven. I still am. That's besides the point. But I mean, driven to the point where I would not take breaks. I was at school last semester from 7.30 a.m. till sometimes 9, 9.30 p.m. I just would stay there all day. And I got in such a negative headspace where I had to be at the top. I had to get this grade. I had to feel this way or I had to get this job. Don't get me wrong. I met my goals, but at the end of it, I was fulfilled for maybe a week. And then the new thing came up and I was like, well, damn, on to the next one. I know I told Nate at the beginning of this year, I was like, I feel like I've met all my goals. I don't know what to do now. Well, now we're having some fun. I'm meeting some fun goals, which is kind of cool. But all of those to show that Nate and I have been through some shit. I mean, that was a very like surface level dive into that. But we have changed the narrative in so many ways. And I don't want to like toot our own horns, but like if you are going through this where you have felt the need to go do drugs or alcohol, or you've seen family members that have gone through this, or you have dealt with death in your own way, you are so much stronger. You have made it through. If you're going through it right now, I know this is hard, but the tunnel, like the light at the end of the tunnel is there. Your tunnel might look longer than other people's and don't compare like your grief looks different than others. How you handle things looks different than others, but your friends are there for you. I'm there for you. I mean, honestly, like if you need to reach out to me, that's what I'm here for. But I feel like changing the narrative is not making it go away or making it better. It's all about, like Nate said, how can we live with it and still be okay? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Really finding people, I can't express to you how much because really a big part of me wants to say that Alex was one of the people that saved my life. And I could not be more serious. Had I not met Alex when I did, I was debating. I even talked to her about it. I was debating dropping out of law school and she was not very happy with that answer. But I trusted her with everything and her and I really got to know each other when we sat down and studied and we shared so much about our lives And that we were looking at each other and we were like, wait, we both kicked ass in our own separate ways. Like we got so far with shitty situations throughout our whole lives. And we were able to work through it together and to find somebody else that you can share those things with and the hardships and so much in common is really just such a part of pushing through and becoming a better person every day. That is so true, especially because what did you think? Did you think I went through all that stuff when just looking at me? Like, yeah, no, there's no way. Yeah, because crazy. especially because you smiled every day and you knew how to crack a joke. I mean, everybody has bad days, but I was the same way. I'm a super bubbly, upbeat kind of person. And shoot, you would never know, really. I don't think anyone on the surface could ever see that you and I had gone through that much shit in our lives. Yeah, I agree. That reminds me of a quote that I posted on Instagram this week where it's wherever you find yourself doubting how far you can go, remember how far you've come. I think it's a good reminder that you should start reminding yourself, look at how far you have come with Nate and I, we've come a long way and we're still in law school. I mean, I know I just say that like that's nothing, but honestly, the fact that we're still in law school, law school's freaking hard. Any young professional program is hard. Hard. So if you're going into another year, another school year, just say, hey, I'm proud of myself. 
I have still come a long ways. Maybe you still have a long ways to go, but if you're looking into the future, you're not working on your present self, you need to work on your present self because that's where you're going to, that's how you're going to get to where you want to go. I think it's so important that we did talk about those things because those are some deep things. I'm not going to lie. So I'm sorry if, I'm sorry if you're crying. I almost (laughs) cried, but that just goes to show that like we are here for you. And that's what this podcast is about is to make you not feel alone, to be a support. And even if you like want to talk to me in your car, yeah, Alex, I agree with you. Or, you know, Alex, I don't agree with you. That's okay. But however you get your expressions out there, I love it. But however that is for you. So we've talked about the good and the bad now ready for the loony to end the show. I don't even know if I want to know what your answer is, but what I ask everyone is what is the looniest thing that has happened to you as a young professional? I don't even care what it is. Honestly, you have a lot of stories. So So what's the craziest thing? The craziest thing is a young professional. This can be like relationships, real life, work, school, whatever. Um, really, uh, it's not an obsession, but it's, (laughs) That's always the way to start. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I am addicted to helping people in a way that is very abnormal to most other people. <laughs> like when I see when I see certain things happen, I, I'm a I'm a fighter. I'm not a flight type person. When it's fight or flight, I'm always fight. Like I promise you, I'm always fight. And. Uh, the craziest thing, I was at work this summer and I, I worked two jobs. I worked for an attorney and I worked at a golf course. And at the golf course one day, I receive a phone call and it's somebody saying, hey, there's a man on the third tee box who just collapsed. I proceeded to run out there at full speed and give him CPR until the paramedics came. That is not what I was expecting. Yeah. I, I don't even think I told you that. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. So uh, my uh, my bosses and stuff, luckily, he's, he did survive. He he suffered a minor heart attack. So it was, it was scary as hell. Let me tell you what. I've never had my adrenaline going quite like that. But uh, my bosses and stuff still joke with me that it was unbelievable how fast that I was moving. I was, like, throwing things <laughs> out of my way, and I jumped over a chair it's at a one slow point. Movie. And they're trying to ask me what the hell I'm doing. And I was like, there's somebody, somebody fell over on the tee box. And so I ran out there full speed and gave him CPR and paramedics got there and brought him back to life. Wow. I can't even talk that. <laughs> but I'll, I'll do. Yeah, that one, <laughs> nobody was, that was, that, that was, was that one was crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. I feel like you're always in those situations where people are hurt and you're like, there to save the day, like super Nate. I'll go off a golfing story craziest thing not crazy actually this is very embarrassing I went to the range the other day <laughs> and Luke and I Luke's gonna probably hate me for even saying this he's probably like I'm never gonna take you to golf course again <laughs> but we're at the range and I go to fill up the balls in the bucket you know why well, fill mine up and then I just scan his car to just let all the balls just go no bucket <laughs> they're just like bouncing all over the place on the ground I'm like trying to pick them all up and he just walks away just leaves me <laughs> Like, <laughs> the, pure, these, the pure embarrassment, the embarrassment. Stuff, he was like ah, yeah. I gotta go he was like get a bucket get a bucket I'm like oh my god and then I'm just like picking up all these balls like throwing them into the bucket and then I finally get it on there but not as crazy as that but like that's no if that's, you know me like I'm so smart but like the fact that I miss putting the bucket under the ball thing I think yeah. that you're so focused on certain things in life that when you're relaxing 
it's almost too much sometimes. Dude, I, like, like, am, like you almost shut your I'm whole brain off. I'm Like I just can't. Like I was like, oh, I'm so excited to hit balls. I'm so excited. I'm like thinking to myself, I'm going to do so well today. And then I, I can't even fill a bucket of balls. Like, they're just bouncing all over the place. Yeah. If, if you can relate to me anyway, shit. I've broken clubs. I've left clubs at golf courses because I take my pitching or sand wedge with my putter and I leave that at the course. And if, you know, mine's in Benton Harbor. So if you live in Benton Harbor, you can go grab my pitching wedge for me that I left over there. That'd be sick. But yeah, well, thank you for being on the podcast today. I was so excited and I'm, I'm even more excited to go back and listen to it. But um, please reach out to me and Nate. I'm going to drop his Instagram if that's okay with you. Just yeah, in case absolutely. you want to ask questions. I'll have like a get to know um, Nate on my Instagram. Other than that, we have talked about everything, the good, the bad, and the loony. And I'm sure he'll be a guest on future episodes, but I think this is a good one. I think people relate. What do you think? I really hope so because there were some things said that just really should be taken to heart. Like the fact that I learned something, no, the fact that I heard something that I needed to freaking hear in the middle of a episode that I'm recording God, I really hope it sticks with you guys. Too. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's always nice to give people some recognition. I know that I don't thank Alex enough. And some of this was me giving a lot of recognition to her for really doing more than she could ever know for me and my whole life. So thank I, you. I also, you're so welcome. But I also thank you for what you've done for me, honestly, because you put up with my bullshit and I am one cranky person <laughs> sometimes and like just... God bless you for however you put up with me and still are like excited to talk to me. But the one thing I do want to point out on this podcast is every one of my guests has said something about me that I have honestly never heard from you guys. Like maybe it's because you guys know I'm not very good with compliments. You just keep it to yourself and you wait till this to like tell me. But like all my friends that I've had on this episode are like telling me things that I've helped them through. So I just really thank you for sharing that because sometimes I feel like I'm not the best friend in the world. But I do also have a lot going on. But I really do try to prioritize my friendship. So just thank you for that. But um, yeah, thank you for listening. I don't even know what episode this will be. It'll be a couple weeks from now. But please tune in. Let me know if you have questions or not. Have a blessed day. Woohoo! If you found today's episode valuable, please take a moment to leave a review. Your review is to not help me boost my self-confidence or self-esteem. It's actually to help others discover the podcast so they can also enjoy and share it with their friends. I appreciate your support so, so much and hope to see you back here week after week for more engaging content. See y'all next week.